to the word of the Lord, going to the book of Luke, chapter number one. Amen. Good to see Brother Kenny and Senior and Junior in the house of the Lord. We've been praying for them and Sister Denise, lifting them up. Loss of a great lady, Sister Carolyn. Amen. I don't know what people would do without church families in times of loss. You gain a lot of strength, amen. Also praying for the Robert Shadon sister passed away unexpectedly. We're lifting them up in prayer. There's value in the body of Christ. Moments and times like this, we are straight, we strengthen one another. The Bible says, weep with those that weep. Rejoice with those that rejoice. So it's perfectly in order for us to to lift up our brethren and our sisters in the Lord. Just to let you know, how many is going to be at church Sunday? How many plan on being at church Sunday? How many plan on being at church on Wednesday? All right. Good. Now, I know that we wouldn't lie, much less in the house of the Lord. My family and I won't be here. And y'all already said y'all are coming. Somehow I find out when I leave, people don't come. And the word, I'm going to use a word, a phrase from the word of the Lord. These things ought not be. I couldn't imagine, Brother Spanky, someone staying home from church because pastor's not there. Because I, I don't go to church to be seen by the pastor. I go to church for the Lord. It doesn't matter who's preaching. I'm going to the house of God. Amen. We're going to be out of town on vacation for a couple of few days. We'll miss Sunday and Wednesday. and uh, But I know that you're going to have a great time. And you got to show up to find out who's preaching. But it's going to be good, I can assure you. Amen. Verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. 
For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I'm going to take a few services between now and Christmas as I feel in the Holy Ghost to preach about Christmas miracles. There's a lot to the Christmas story. And I, I want to break it down. And tonight I want to preach about the miracle of mercy. The miracle of mercy. Could you lift your hands one more time? Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we need you tonight. We need that touch of the Spirit, that anointing of the Holy Ghost. God, that you would touch our minds, touch our heart. God, speak to us as only you can. We thank you, God, and we'll be sure to give you glory and praise. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. There's so much involved in the Christmas story that I don't think one service would do it justice. Society, and I've touched on this. This is a, it's a pet peeve. Society has commercialized Christmas to the extent of even removing Christ from the very reason for the season. And you cannot observe Christmas without observing Christ. That's like saying that you're going to celebrate a birthday without acknowledging the person who's turning older. You've got to, they go one with the other. Christmas is all about miracles. And beginning with Gabriel meeting Mary, who was a virgin, historians believe somewhere between the age of 12 and 15 years old, engaged to a man named Joseph. Angel tells her that she is highly favored. She was just a lowly teenager girl. Society would not have chosen her to be the one that would bear the Messiah. She had nothing to offer God. Yet that's exactly how God works. He gave her what she did not deserve. My friend, we didn't get three verses into the Christmas story and we hit our first miracle, which was the miracle of mercy. Because simply put, mercy gives us what we don't deserve. I want to preach a little while tonight about the mercy of God. Because the whole story of the coming of the Lord as a baby was an act of mercy. Because we deserve death. We deserve judgment. We deserve separation from God for all of eternity. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. I've come to preach tonight. It may just be a Wednesday night, but can I tell you, we wouldn't be here on a Wednesday if it weren't for that mercy of God. More than presence, more than gifts, more than lights, more than anything this world says is Christmas. We got to first start with the miracle of mercy. 
If God has an abundance of anything, he's got an abundance of mercy. We better be glad we're not God because we'd be in heaven all by ourselves because we don't have mercy with people to the extent that God has mercy. Now, we have mercy with people that struggle like we struggle. Ouch. But we're real judgmental with people that struggle different than us. Listen to what the psalmist said. Psalm chapter 5, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shout out here in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness. Neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. God will not allow evil men to dwell with him. And to be hated of God is indeed a horrible thing. Every sin is a work of iniquity, but only some make sin their business. They are workers of iniquity. And I can tell you tonight that God works against those that work iniquity. In the battlefield where Absalom fought David, stood the oak that was his gallows. His mule was the hangman and his hair was the rope. Everything the wicked have will be a snare to trap them in the day of judgment. But as for me, as for you, I should have belonged in that number. But somehow the mercy of God intervened. And the writer said it like this, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Hey friend, that mercy of God stepped in. And when you got mercy, it was just as if you never sinned. It was just as if you never did wrong. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. God's judgments are numbered, but his mercies are without number. Numbers 14, 29 says, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. His judgments were numbered. But in Psalm 40 and 5, it says, Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. 
They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. What is mercy? Mercy is love reaching out to meet a need without considering the merit of the person receiving the aid. Our closest modern word is probably compassion. And many times in the New Testament, you'll find the scripture says he was moved with compassion. We could also say like this, he was moved with mercy. Blind Bartimaeus. Jesus owed him nothing. Nothing. But he was moved to meet the need. One writer said it's the outward manifestation of pity. It assumes need on the part of him who receives it and resources adequate to meet the need on the part of him who shows it. For instance, God saw the need of salvation for his creation. Therefore, he moved upon a young girl who didn't deserve it. She had no merit, yet he chose to do so anyway. If you read throughout the New Testament, apostolic salutations, most of the time grace precedes mercy. For grace describes God's attitude towards the lawbreaker and rebel, while mercy is his attitude toward his children who are in distress. All but one instance, which is Galatians 6.16, mercy precedes peace. For mercy is the act of God and peace is the resulting experience in the heart of man. If mercy did not meet us first, we would have no peace. You know what the white throne judgment's going to be? It's going to be the judgment of God without the mercy of God. Everything that God's going to execute judgment on he feels that way about it right now. God, because we're in the New Testament dispensation, doesn't mean God has changed how he feels about things that he established in the Old Testament. But the one thing that's holding off the judgment of God is the mercy of God. Right now, there's mercy. Right now, there's opportunity to have that mediator, Jesus Christ, intervene between God, the judgment of God, and his creation. But when it's, when it's the white throne judgment, there's going to be no mercy. There's going to be no mediator between God and men. And you're going to meet the judgment of God. The, perhaps the best definition of mercy is found in a piece of tabernacle furniture called the mercy seat. The Hebrew word is kaporeth, which means to cover. And connected with the ark, it is spoken of as the footstool of God in 1 Chronicles 28 and 2. God promised to be present on the mercy seat to commune with Moses in Exodus 25, 22. The holy of holies is referred to in scripture as the house of the kaporeth in 1 Chronicles 28 and 11. Watch this, the word propitiation, 
became another word for mercy seat. In the New Testament, Jesus has literally become our mercy seat. In Romans 3.25, it said, Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. What the Old Testament, what the mercy seat was to the tabernacle, Jesus is to the New Testament church. The Bible said he became our propitiation. He became our mercy seat. That's why the Bible says if any man sin, we have an advocate. We have a propitiation. We have a mercy seat through the name of Jesus that our sins can be remitted. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 9, worship was led by eight Levites after the completion of the wall and the reading of the law. And it's a long litany of God's mercy. You, you read through there, you'll find the mercy of God extended to Israel. Genesis 19, Lot was about to yield to temptation, but God delivered him by his mercy. The Bible said while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife, upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto them. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. Here was Lot. The only reason God sent angels was because Abraham prayed. You can't tell me God doesn't hear prayer. The only reason some of us are here today is because people were praying for us. That you didn't even know they were praying. You never heard their prayers. But they went up before the throne of God. And God said, I got to bring them to an altar. Just the same way he went and got lost. And watch humanity. Watch, watch how stubborn we can be. Two angels sent by God to a wicked city. They struck the men with blindness that were trying to get to them. The Bible says so as they could not find the door. How much more convincing do we need, Lot, that this is the real deal? They're here to take you out of here. And the Bible said... While Lot lingered. Now, Brother Black, I would love to think that that was me. And I saw all this stuff going on. I'd be ahead of the angels. I don't care where, what direction we're going. We're just getting out of here. I would love to think it, but I'm a human. And you're human too. Somewhere along the way in Lot's mind, he still wasn't sure if he wanted to get out of there. Maybe he was looking at everything that he had accumulated. He was looking at his stuff. You know, we can get caught up in our stuff. And we lose track that it ain't ours anyway. 
It all belongs to the Lord. We're going we're, we're, we're to get out of here one day. And God could have said, Lot, I'm done. I gave you a chance. I honored my, I honored Abraham's prayer. And you don't want to leave. Bye. But the mercy of God, the mercy of God said, I know he's in limbo right now. But I just, I just got to keep my word to Abraham. I, I'm just going to extend him a little more mercy. And those angels snatched him up and got him out of there. Friend, how many times do we are we like Lot and we're in limbo in our devotion to the Lord? We're somewhere stuck between our salvation and our stuff. Yet God says, I'm still going to keep reaching for him. I'm still going to keep showing them mercy. I'm still going to keep giving them another chance. Even when they're not giving me their best, I'm going to give them my best. Even I know they don't deserve it, but I'm going to still, friend, we better be thankful tonight for the mercy of God that doesn't give up on us when we're not doing our best to live for God. Israel made a false God. But God revealed himself to Moses once again by his mercy. Exodus 34, verse 6, The Lord passed by before him and, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the father's children or upon the children's children under the third and the fourth generation. When Joseph had been wrongfully enslaved, God made a way of deliverance by his mercy. Genesis 39, 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. I'm talking about the miracle of mercy. David knew what it was to cry unto God as a sinner and be delivered by his mercy. He said, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Second Samuel 24, 14, And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great, and let me not fall into the hand of man. Let me tell you something. Bible says, if we fall upon the rock, we'll be broken. But if the rock falls on us, we'll be ground to powder. I've often wondered what that means. But I think I've got an answer now. Because David said, i got two places to fall. I can fall into the hands of God. Or I can fall in the hands of men. One is a place of mercy. I'd rather have let God deal with me any day 
than let man deal with me. Because if you fall in the hands of men, you won't be able to be put back together. You'll be ground to powder. You know, God has a way of humbling people. And there's two things that can happen. Either you can let God humble you, or you'll be humbled. You'll be humbled. If you go to an altar, you keep yourself humble before the Lord. But you let pride start getting in your heart, God has a way of letting you fall in the hands of men. And men are not merciful like God's merciful. Friend, if I'm going to fall, I want to fall at the feet of Jesus. I want to be like that woman with that alabaster box. She didn't have a whole lot to offer, and she broke it, and she became of value when she was broken in the sight of the Lord. When Jesus was destroyed, Jeremiah found his only hope in the mercy of God. Lamentations 3.22 said, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Just as sure as you woke up today, there was a brand new set of mercy. Brand new set of, of love. This is hard for us to fathom. I, I, read, I read something today that said, forgive me for what I said when I was hungry. We get grouchy. We say things that we don't mean. I think they call it hangry. And we wake up and we might still be that way. But let me tell you, you don't ever have to worry about the mercy of God being fresh. You're not going to exhaust it. You're not going to be so bad that you run out of it because God is mercy. There's no way he can exhaust his mercy. Mercy And great is his faithfulness. Amen, musicians, you can come. Stand with me right now. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. When I said my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. Anybody ever felt like you were losing your, your footing Hey, there's been times I felt like my foot was slipping. Do you know why you'll never fall? Because even if you start going down, the Bible says that His mercy is going to hold you up. My friend, before you ever hit rock bottom, you'll hit His mercy. You'll hit His mercy. You can't make God have mercy on you but you should thank him that he does. Romans 9 says, For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, 
nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. To whom mercy is given, mercy is required. If God gives us mercy, then we in turn should be willing to grant that mercy to somebody else. There's only two times or two ways to short-circuit God's mercy in your life. Unconfessed sin. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And unforgiveness. Bible says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to his mercy that he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And this is why the writer tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let me tell you something. We got way too many people that have been born of water and of spirit who are battling condemnation over things that they have done wrong. And that is a trick of the enemy to prevent you from being who God has called you to be. If you're a child of the king, you don't have to drag your head as you go to prayer hoping that God will forgive you. But he said you come boldly before the throne of grace because I've got an abundance of mercy to help you, to help you make it to heaven. You don't have to let the enemy beat you up. You don't have to let the devil torment your mind because there's mercy. I'm talking about the greatest miracle. The reason we're here is mercy. I believe it would be beautiful in order tonight for us to make our way to this altar. And we're not going to come and kneel. We're going to come boldly. We're going to come lift our hands toward the Lord. 